tell me if this sounds like you. Ditching the rat race for financial freedom is your rally cry. Shaking off the hustle and grind mentality for time freedom makes you want to do a little dance. Creating a life where your money makes more money for you, now that's your jam. Why figure all of this out? More time with loved ones and the ability to make a meaningful difference in your world. Now that's what drives you. My name is Jenny Townsend. Now, let's up level. What is up, Podcast Nation? Jenny Townsend here, and thanks for joining me for another episode of Up Level. So let's get right to it, right? What if you would love to have a short-term rental in your income portfolio, but you aren't quite ready to buy and actually be the owner of the property that you want to put on Airbnb and VRBO? What if maybe you haven't quite saved up the down payment yet, or maybe given the economic conditions, you're not sure you want to buy at this time? Regardless of the reason, there is always a way. There is always a way to make whatever you want happen, happen. And that's what this episode is all about. I'm going to walk through three. Um, Some are common and one I think is a little lesser known strategies for being able to control the property. So, but you aren't an owner. You're able to list it and make money, you know, receive some of the profits, but you aren't actually the owner of the property. Okay. So let's dive in with the first one is one that I'm sure you've actually heard of. If you have done any research into how to be a, an Airbnb host or how to be a successful Airbnb host, right? And that one is renting. And sometimes this is called Airbnb arbitrage. So you rent from a landlord and then your rent is pretty much your cost of goods, right? And then anything you make over and above the rent and utilities and all of the other expenses, whatever, that's your profit. So like I said, it's the most popular strategy that I'm aware of. And the biggest pro in my mind for using this strategy to rent is it is really easy to get in and to scale, And because oftentimes when you're renting a place, sometimes the landlord will ask for first and last month's rent and sometimes a security deposit. So depending on the price of the rent, right, it may be a couple thousand, it may be a few thousand dollars, but either way, to be able to get access to a property, to put it on Airbnb, that is, is actually, you know, it's obviously it's a pretty low cost. And the other pro is, like I said, it's easy to scale. So it's easy to get in, it's easy to scale. And so if you just have to find a couple thousand dollars to get first and last month's rent and maybe a security deposit to bring a new property online, that is much easier to to do, to scale, than if you were purchasing property at a time, Um, coming up with that down payment, doing the closing process, all of that, it, there is a little bit of ease towards the scaling. So if you decide obviously like, okay, I need three rentals based on how much I think each rental could get in my area. I need three rentals to be financially free. Okay. Like that would actually be really easy to do in um, a handful of months. I would say under six months. If you're really determined and driven using this rental strategy, the biggest cons in my mind are, well, first you're on the hook for a rent payment every month, but like I said, rent or mortgage, that's your cost of goods in this business. But 
you don't have any equity to show for it. So with a mortgage, obviously your mortgage payment, though a lot of it does go to interest, especially early on, as it, your payment will help you pay down your mortgage. So you're gaining, your net worth is growing every time you make a mortgage payment. Obviously with rental, that does not exist. That is just purely an expense. It is a cost of goods um, kind of a payment. Now, I this is not meant to be a super in-depth, all of the tactics and strategies. That's obviously more for like a course, right? A little bit of a shameless plug. But my biggest tip here, because obviously on a podcast, I'm just, it's just audio, so there's no resources I can hand you or anything like that. But my biggest tip here is to be upfront with a landlord when you discuss your plans, because there are pros for them too. But if you aren't upfront with them, they may take offense with that. They may, you know, do what they need to do to like cancel your, your rental agreement. And then you will no longer have control over that property to be on Airbnb. So you'd have to start the whole process over again. So it just makes sense to be upfront. And there are pros for the landlords too. For instance, guests usually have much less wear and tear than long-term tenants. You know, like, so your Airbnb guests won't paint a guest bedroom purple or something, right? Um, and they typically don't use the appliances as much. So it is, you know, and Actually, I heard someone say this, and I wish I remembered who it was. I would give them credit for it. Um, but they said, who, like, you know, when they were talking with a landlord, because I've been talking with other Airbnb hosts, a number of them about that have used these different approaches. And one of the hosts said, um, they were in a conversation with a landlord, and the landlord said, um, what happens if, like, the guests totally destroy my place? And the host, oh man, I wish I could remember who it was. There have been so many I've been talking with. They said, well, when was the last time you, you know, trashed a hotel room, right? Like this is pretty much what an Airbnb is. It's, it's nicer than a hotel room, but people oftentimes kind of, they, they have that view, right? They're not, they're so few and far between is someone going to trash the hotel room, right? <laughs> or in this case, obviously your Airbnb. So there are pros for the landlords too. It's not like you're trying to hide from them. And then actually based on your estimates of what that property could offer you on Airbnb, you may be able to offer more of a monthly rate to them in rent than a long-term tenant. So how would this work? You would do your market research, find your area, you know, Determine what your strategy is, find some, uh, like some properties, go see them, talk with the landlords, all of that. And there are some previous episodes about doing market research and all that. So I'll link to those in the show notes. And then obviously I'm going to reference that I have an entire roadmap about to be launched called the Six Figure Vacation Rental Roadmap that walks you through exactly how to do market research to find the area and then to determine your strategy and all of that. But let's just say, let's just blanket statement, do your market research and connect with landlords to share your plan. And one tip I will give you additionally is definitely avoid property managers or realtors because I 
well, this is what I've been told by so many hosts who have done this. Like, just go directly to the decision maker. Um, Property managers and realtors are less comfortable with this, it appears. But homeowners oftentimes kind of get um, the benefit of it. So let's go through an example here. All right, let's say you find a cute house in your area. You've done the research and it is for rent right now for $1,500 a month. Now, given your research, you've discovered that this place has a $3,500 a month potential. So you take $3,500 minus the $1,500 rent and your cut is $2,000 minus any other expenses you may have. And so to be even more competitive, like I said, you could offer $1,600 a month. So it is even more of a benefit for the landlord and you would then get $1,900, right? Okay, a month or whatever. So that is using the rental strategy. There, there is a place for this, right? There's a place for this, but I'm here to tell you these next two ones are my favorites. And I think they're the ones that are less talked about or least talked about. But we're going to work on changing that, aren't we? So the, the second strategy is the co-hosting strategy. It is very similar to the renting strategy, but you don't sign a lease. Exactly. You approach a landlord and you offer to run the Airbnb and split the profits. Oftentimes, the landlord will get 60% and you get 40 or maybe even 70-30. Um, when you're just getting started. And then obviously if you have a track record, um, once you have a track record, you can continue to either increase the rates with new properties or whatever. But there's usually a split that favors the landlord for obvious reasons, right? And there is no risk for you for an ongoing monthly cost. So this strategy, actually the COGS are zero, which is really compelling, right? But there is also no equity either. This is, this is a monthly cash flow play. It is not a long-term net worth builder. But that's fine as long as you know what it is and you find the property that works for you, right? Now, the landlord may be able to make more money than their long-term rental rate. And they're more likely to partner with you in this. Um, actually, you know, be your advocate versus just the straight rental approach because they want you to succeed. The more you make, the more they'll make, right? Versus, okay, just make sure you pay the rent every month kind of a thing <laughs> with just the rental strategy. Now let's use that same property example I used in the rental strategy and see how the costs or how the numbers kind of shake out. So again, it's a $1,500 a month rental. The research shows you that that property has a $3,500 a month potential. So of that $3,500 potential, their cut is 60%, which is $2,100. And yours is 40% at $1,400. So instead of a $1,500 a month long-term rental, the landlord is getting $2,100 a month. So that is, I mean, that's an additional $600 a month they would have never seen. But then you're getting $1,400 a month without the risk of a mortgage or a rental agreement. So it is minus your own expenses and however you all decide to do utilities and things like that. But $1,400 for really 
no outlay of cash on your part. Isn't that incredible? So I, I love that. Now, let's again go to the third the third strategy. And just to recap, the first one is to rent. So you you sign some kind of a rental agreement, you cover the rent, and then anything above that is yours. The co-host is pretty much like a profit sharing or revenue sharing rather, or it's just a there is no signing of an agreement to pay a certain amount per month. You simply split the proceeds at a predetermined percentage, right? Often 60-40 or even 70-30. So this final final strategy is called a lease option. And it is a little bit more complicated, but I'm extremely drawn to this model. So here's the arrangement of a lease option. You and the owner, the landlord, agree to a lease of a property for a given amount of time. Sometimes this can be as short as a year and other times it can be as long as five years or even seven years. Whatever the agreed upon time frame is, that, that's between you and the homeowner. But there is a given time frame and you will be paying a lease payment every month during that time. But in addition to this, so that's the lease part, but the option part is you will have the option to buy it at any point in that time for a predetermined price. But the thing is, you're not required to buy it. You can walk away from the ability to purchase it. But if something proves to be a really consistently profitable place, why wouldn't you, right? <laughs> and so there is, it's like a, the rental play because you do have a monthly payment that you're committing to for your cost of goods, but it could also be a potential equity play for you. So let's take a look at some numbers. Let's say the house that you're looking at is currently worth $200,000 and you have an option agreement for five years and you commit to, okay, if you know I will buy this house for you in five years at $200,000, so today's rate, what it's worth today, I will agree to buy this from you in five years. Let's say over those five years, the property increases in value to $225,000, you can still buy it for two hundred. dollars Or like I said, you can walk away. An option is an option. It's a choice, right? You don't have to, but you have the ability to control that property for that amount of time. So again, you have the monthly cash flow, but you could also earn, I'm air quoting, or create or acquire $25,000 in equity over that term. So the pros are it's a relatively little cost, relatively low cost to get in. Now, oftentimes these agreements, they don't have some kind of a, um, like, true down payment because you're simply leasing it. Oftentimes there is a payment to kind of begin the process, which can be a few thousand dollars, but um but especially if we're talking about a $200,000 property, I could imagine that that might be 2 to 6,000 dollars to get in, which is not bad, right? 
So it's a relatively low cost to get into the agreement. And then there is the potential equity play, which I think is an enormous pro. Because yes, it is again, there's the monthly cash flow play, but then there's the longer term equity play. All right, the cons. And I say cons, you know, it's... It's how you choose to look at it, but you know, that's gonna how, how I'm gonna categorize them. Some cons are some additional paperwork um, to you know to craft the lease option. It really is rather simple, but it can be. Some people view paperwork as daunting. I see it as the keys to the kingdom. Like oftentimes, just between you and your goal is some paperwork, right? Between buying your dream home, you know, where you are now and buying your dream home is paperwork. Between right now and attending your dream college, paperwork. Right now and let's say even adopting a child, paperwork. Or starting a business, paperwork. I love paperwork <laughs> because that's how you get what you want, right? That's what takes you to your goal, right? Or like a part of it. And so a con may be, some people view it, may view it as additional paperwork, but then there is also, you are committing to a monthly payment during that, um, that term until you either exercise or don't exercise that option. So let's do an example with the same numbers we used for the other two uh, strategies. So again, the, the lease amount per month is $1,500. Your research shows that this property has a $3,500 a month potential. So your cut Again, much like the, the rental strategy is $2,000 minus any other expenses. But then over the term, over the long term, over the lease option term, and given the numbers I told you, you know, you have the agreement to buy or you have the option to buy this house for $200,000 in five years. And it could be worth $225,000. It could be worth $250,000. Who knows what will happen in that five years, but However much it's worth then, you have the agreement, you can buy it at today's price. So with the numbers I shared with you, that would be an additional $25,000 in equity. Okay, so those are the three strategies that I think are the most viable, um, the most beneficial, and for, for all parties, frankly. And I think very realistic for pretty much anyone who wants to get into this it's totally possible. Like So again, said another way, simply boiled down, if this is something you really want to do, there is a way. And you know what? I am excited to guide you as you move towards your first short-term rental. If I mean, if any of these methods sound intriguing or make this goal of owning a vacation rental sound more achievable, I have a roadmap for you. And as we get closer and closer to the six-figure vacation rental roadmap going live, I want you to know I've just added an insane early bird bonus. So when you provide your name on the early bird wait list, you'll gain access to what I'm calling vacation rental labs. And this is, like I said, it's a previously unannounced bonus. And I will give you the breakdowns of all of these different methods as I've used them in my own business. So as I work through these, as I work through the systems and, you know, experiment with with new strategies and things like that, I will report back to you in this vacation rental labs. So you'll see the questions I ask, the numbers I run, and even hear about the conversations I have with the owners. Obviously, I can't pre-guarantee that 
the owners will consent to have the conversations recorded or shared, but I can tell you about the conversations, you know, the questions they had, the concerns that they had, whatever. I will share with you as because it's a lab all of these things that we're bringing into this business. And I think this is an, a ridiculous additional bonus. And I hope that this just makes the whole program a no-brainer. So go drop your name on the early bird waitlist over at jdtownsend.com slash rental to make sure you can get in on this bonus. So thank you again for joining me as I walked through three different alternative strategies for becoming a profitable Airbnb host without actually owning property right now. So until next time, continue to be up and to the right.